Hey there, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you're probably into cryptids and monsters. Well, if you have a creative spark, you can always join us in our first ever Supernatural Selection zine project. For 2024, we are doing cryptid encounters, where you can draw or write a encounter with a cryptid of your choice, and we'll put it in the zine. The current submission window is from early January to late June. If you're interested in finding out more, you can always go to SupernaturalSelectionPod.com slash zines. That is Z-I-N-E-S. Now back to the show. Goat. No, I'm horny for frogs. Oh god, well that makes <laughs> sense, seeing as the topic tonight. Hello, and welcome to Supernatural Selection. I'm your host, Kevin Heyman. With me this week are Mike the Horny Skeptic. Mike, how you doing? I'm a horny toad. Oh, <laughs> man, I can't believe we didn't have that uh, joke anywhere in here. And we've got Mr. David Davis. David, how are you doing tonight? I'm so fucking tired of frogs now. <laughs> oh, Why? yeah. They're they're cute and green and no it's no not I was just easy being green. Well, not oh. all of them are green. That's that that's me being yeah. a, a mammalist. Yeah, okay, that's mm-hmm. fair. So uh, before we get started, housekeeping the zine. David, tell them about the zine real quick. So our 2024 zine project is cryptid encounters. We're taking art and writing. Uh, Submissions uh, depicting cryptids. Submission window right now is January through June, so if you're listening to this episode right now, you should start sending stuff in. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, uh, as far we'll, as... Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, and then we'll uh, have information about the Kickstarter for it when that uh, when that becomes a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the zine will be made free, but we are going to do a little crowdfunding thing as well. Um, but if you want to know more about the project, you can go to supernatpod.rocks slash zines. And then uh, I'm going to throw a link to the Tumblr account on there. Oh, no, actually, if you click on blog, it will take you to our Tumblr account yes. where I'll be posting updates. And uh, I'll try to get back on that as well. I, me, me bad. Yeah, no worries. Me I've bad. just been reblogging stuff on air. It's yeah, fun. I've been. I, that's what I was doing. I was going through finding cryptid stuff and reposting it. So, yeah. uh, tonight's subject, me and Mike have a lot in common with this subject this week, and that we are both infested with mucus. And we get around everywhere by hopping lately. Yes. Well, we're <laughs> me and Mike are sick again, but uh, we're talking about frogs. David, tell us about frogs. Oh, well, okay. So. If you follow the show, you've noticed that we often have frog imagery in our graphics, uh, such as episode covers and the logo. Yep. Um, no, this isn't a 4chan Pepe the Frog thing, yeah. but rather like an inherent fascination with frogs as derived from the simultaneously cool and lame cryptid, the Loveland Frog, who we <laughs> will be discussing. Yes. There isn't a lot to him, though. 
but it did inspire me to ask just like what was up with all the fucking frogs and folklore and magic. So that's what this episode is. So strap your helmets on, boys. It's folklore. Mm-hmm. Uh, in an effort not to get bogged down in pulling from double-digit sources, I have probably about 20 sources that I read on all of this. Oh, God. Um, yeah, no, I, I think I've got like seven or eight linked that I use directly, but there was always right. more. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to use this episode as more of like a broad survey of the strange cultural and mythical connection between frogs and humans. Um, you know, as far as my sources, they'll be mentioned verbally, but I have them all linked within the show document as well. So you can always go to our website, click on the notes for uh, the episode and get all those sources. Yep. And a uh, quick question, are Alex Jones jokes off limits? Not at all. If you can find a way to segue them in. Sure. Awesome. Great. Okay. So frogs are weird. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, like, it's a yeah. weird animal. There, it is. It's yeah. a weird little dude. You know, they're, they're cool, a little unsettling, a yeah. little alien, and a little familiar. Uh, frogs and toads account for the vast majority of amphibians on Earth and are among the most diverse of the vertebrate orders. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, yeah, like, I think top five in diversity. Okay. Now, yes, there are, there are over 75,000 species. No, 7,500 species of frogs on almost every continent on Earth. Uh, we, we need to point out that, Mike, we've all contributed to this episode. David has done the bulk of it. I'm going to be talking about the cryptid, and Mike is going to be telling us frog facts as we go forward. Yep. So, Yeah, of course, the only place without frogs is Antarctica, because an Antarctic frog would be very terrifying. And the rent's too high. <laughs> And we keep finding more frogs. Yeah, and mm -hmm. aren't they like a key like thing they watch for to see yeah, what's wrong with the environment? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I get into all of this in the episode. Oh, okay. Well, we'll let you get into that in the episode. <laughs> no, no, no worries, no worries. I'm just glad we're all excited about frog facts. Yeah, we kind of are. <laughs> um, now, frogs are some of the most important animals to larger human culture. You know, say what you will about domesticated animals like, you know, dogs, cats, cows, goats, that sort of thing. Uh, frogs have always served as like both food and cultural and religious focus for as long as humanity has existed. Uh, you know, frogs have also provided medicine in a number of ways. That's true. Frogs are also considered to be environmental bellwethers indi uh, indicating environmental changes. Like you had something? Well, I was going to say, if you lick some frogs, you get really medicated. Yes, you mm -hmm. do. Yep, uh, we'll be getting into that, too. Yep. And uh, so when you say as food, you're talking about besides the French, correct? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, okay. like like frogs are edible. They're, they're actually yeah, quite delicious. Yeah, no, I've eaten frog's legs. It's fine. It's like yeah. water chicken. Well, yeah, like if you're, if you're a Cro-Magnon, you're not going to, like, <clears throat> turn down, like, a, a frog. You know what I mean? Well... You know, I'd eat a crunchy frog, because if we took the bones out, it wouldn't be crunchy. Kevin, did you know that calling a Frenchman a frog is a high compliment? You're full <laughs> of crap. Is that a fake one or a real one? Fake? No, I didn't. I don't have any fake facts here. I did, I did tens, <laughs> tens of minutes of research, <laughs> most of which while sitting on the toilet on my phone. Okay, all right. Good. Good. Uh, 
perfect. Oh, oh, we need like a little fake frog facts. Oh, that's hard to say. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, all, all of this is to say that humans have had a fascination with frogs uh, that's radically altered our perception of the world around us and resulted in an animal that is interpreted in a myriad of ways. You know, from occult and magical benefactors to harbingers of death and doom. The death frog. Mm-hmm. Uh, many cultures, while not entirely framing it as evolution proper, saw what was kind of an evolutionary link between the frog and the human being. That's kind so, of fucked. Hmm? That's kind of fucked. Well, I, I mean, it, we'll get into it in a little bit, but like, think about like what what's the animal that you usually dissect in the science class? Oh, yeah. Besides fetal pigs, frogs. Oh, yeah. yeah. The first one's a frog. Yeah. Yeah. We did the yeah. frog. Um, and you know, there's there's a reason for that. But, right. Um, um, from the website on elephants and bacteria, which is a great name. Yes. Quote, a lack of tail, the absence of fur, visible fingers, it is not difficult to understand why many human cultures have myths in which frogs and humans are intertwined. Neolithic rock art, ranging from North America to Europe and Asia, already shows frogmen silhouettes which may represent people, frogs, or both. You know, honestly, when you put it like that about the similarities in, you know, morphology, it makes more sense than I thought it would. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's just something, um, like, the, the body plans are pretty similar in a lot of ways. Also, it's great when you find a frog that looks like it's smiling. Oh, Speaking of frogs, David, do you talk about the glass frog in your doc? I did not mention the glass frog. Well, glass frogs make their skin transparent by hiding red blood cells in their livers. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, That's they, awesome. They suck all their red blood cells out of their skin and make themselves clear and harder to detect. That's fucking fascinating, actually. Jeez. Yeah, frogs are weird, dude. It's yeah. Great. Weird-ass little bastards. So, specifically, the article has a section about representations of frogs as representatives of proto-humanity and ancient cultures. And I'd like to look at a couple of those examples. Okay. Now, also, the website I'll be quoting here is the collaborative work of field biologist and art, uh, ecologist Mark Riera and evolutionary biologist Dr. Alejandro Izquierdo Lopez. Nice. They both appear to be affiliated with the University of Barcelona, so I do need to correct some transcription errors here and there. Uh, that being said, the article is excellent. I recommend everyone read it, uh, as I'm only going to be covering a couple of examples from it. So, first we have the Taino people. Do you guys recognize the name? Ahsoka Taino? No. That's Aww. silly. No, um, not at all. Does that strike the bell at all, or ring the bell? Um, a little bit. Like I've heard the name. Okay. I, all I can so, think of is like the Japanese like video game company, but that's Taito. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. That's nope. yeah. It's different. So, so the Taino were the people that Columbus encountered in what we would come to call uh, Hispaniola, or what he would come to call Hispaniola, which we now know as Haiti and the Dominican Republic. Oh, right, the ones he completely fucking obliterated. Sorry, mm -hmm. forget mm -hmm. about that, all right. Well, you know, dude, that's why we don't know about them, because they were wiped out by douchebag... 
Spaniards and Spaniards. rats. Oh, I, I have information Small from a blankets. museum of the Taino people in the uh, Haiti. So we, we're, oh. we're good. They, they're okay. they're still they're still around. Like they didn't. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. okay. I mean, yeah, obliterated in the sense. This yeah, doesn't mean like, we destroyed the, all the culturally. Yeah. We didn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because we're gonna get into like some some terminology that's uh, Taino Creole uh, language and that sort of thing. Okay. So I'm gonna go ahead and quote my source here. Quote. The Taino of the Dominican Republic explained the similarity between the word teat and frog in Taino Creole through a transformational myth. When people left the cave of creation, men and women were separated, and the children were left with the men. Those children started to cry, calling for the teat in a loud toa, toa. As they chanted, uh, as they chanted toa, the children transformed into frogs, which were later known as tona. Now... As a quick aside to this, I really find this interesting because it reminds me of the origin stories of the Choctaws here in the U.S. Uh, they say that they emerged from the Nanawaya Mound near Philadelphia, Mississippi, and that's where all uh, mankind came from. Mm. And I just find it interesting when two groups uh, this separate have like similar underground origin stories, like the cave and the mound, you know? Yeah, we could we could easily like fill a ton of time just talking about like different origin stories and creation myths because oh, yeah. they're they're fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Or yeah. maybe vaults. <laughs> Don't get started, man. That's that is Hancock territory. Let's move on from that. Jeez. So, um, I also have a symbol of the Toa embedded into the dock. So what does it look like to you, gentlemen? It kind of looks like a frog or a lizard or a really kind of neat tattoo. It, it looks like a frog if it were, you know, doing runway modeling. Okay, yeah, I like, can see uh, that. A frog needs a sandwich. Like the frog's also kind of hanging down there. Uh, well, you know. He do have a dick. Frogs yeah. have kind of a pointy butt, so I can see that. They, they do, yes. Um... You know, it could also kind of hint at, like, the transition between tadpole to, to frog. Ah, uh, well. yes. Um, but, point. yeah, like it's, it's a very striking image. Yeah, I think. like, you could guess frog from that, probably. Yeah. It has the, the frog elements. Yes. Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, if you made so, that body more of a triangle, it'd be way more froggy, but, you know. Sure. Right. Yeah. Now, frog symbols appear in a lot of Taino artifacts, uh, for example, the Taino Museum in Haiti includes a stone frog in their collection. There's a link to the frog, uh, the, the the artifact in the dock. Uh, very interesting. Oh, wow. That's a really good frog, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it also kind of helps, because uh, we're going to talk about, like, representations of frogs in, um, like, primitive art. And frogs are pretty easy to, like, shape. You know, I mean, it's the oval with legs, really. Yeah, so there, there's kind of like, because, you know, early, um, I, I don't want to like shit on early craftspeople, but like, you know, um, it took a while for them to start like working in details into yeah. things, but like frogs are kind of inherently lumpy. <laughs> yes. So y you know what I mean? I'm not trying to like no, smirch I mean our ancestors, but... Yeah, you yeah. find a rock shaped like a frog, you're like, I bet I can make that fucker look more like a frog. Mm -hmm. so, so, so you're mentioning a lot of stuff about, you know, frogs, 
in history, but you're not mentioning that the first mention of frogs in historical texts was in 1875 in Hoboken, New Jersey. God damn it. I know that's a lie, you motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. I like Uh, that. That is pretty good. That is pretty good. Um, So we've immediately kind of established this link between frogs and motherhood. And it's not just seen in the story of the Taino, but we're going to get into that in a little bit. Okay. Now, in the myth of the Iroquois in the Americas, you have the story of the Sky People and the Sky Woman who was to give birth to twins. Her husband, enraged, ended up uprooting a tree, creating a hole in which her husband eventually pushed her. Which, that seems like an overreaction. Um, Man, they didn't half-ass anything in the olden times. So she fell to the earth towards the sea. Animals, seeing her plight, sought to create a place for her to land. And the hero here was a toad who spilled mud from the bottom of the sea onto the back of a turtle, creating what we would uh, would call North America. Uh, Okay, well, uh, all right. Like creation myths are rad, dude. Yeah, no, I it it's funny. It just makes me think of Discworld. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm summarizing uh, I'm summarizing a fascinating creation myth here, but I want to emphasize the toad as part of what allows humanity to occur. Making right. frogs and toads are weird uncles or something. <laughs> uh, and so yeah, like the frog here isn't necessarily like part human, but it's you know you wouldn't have humans because those twins end up becoming the Iroquois people. Right. Right. Um, So here's another example from Elephants and Bacteria. Um, Now, it involves the Taiwanese Sasiat people. Okay. Now, in this tale, a fisherman scooped up a frog in a net and, not wanting it, threw it away. The frog, however, turned into a child and would grow up to be the founder of a significant uh, Sasiat dynasty the Taputa Barasu. So, don't throw frogs. You'll, you'll make emperors. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. not, not necessarily like a, a dynasty. Like, I, I don't mean in the sense of like a ruling dynasty. Probably just like I, a, I, you know, long-running family. Like oh. Kevin, like the show dynasty. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Gotcha. At least I don't I don't know if the Taputa Barasu were rulers. They, they might have been. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, Still, don't throw frogs. Mm-hmm. Don't cast no. frogs at aspersions. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there are a lot of other stories about frogs being related to humanity in some way. Uh, I found the undercurrent link between frogs and humans here, especially the idea of frogs being proto-human, to be particularly interesting. And a lot of that lies with how visible the changes of a frog are and how they contradict our own bodily changes and growth. Right. That makes sense. So, yeah. uh, want, want to hear some other way frogs are similar to people? Mm-hmm. Some of them give live birth. They don't have tadpoles. I've and heard that. In the, the Bronx Zoo is one of the only places in the world where you can see one of those types of frogs. The Kianzi spray toad is extinct in the wild. I don't birth know. birth to if... live young. I can't Google that right now to verify if it's They're true. Born no, as no, frogs that's... and not tadpoles. Yeah, no, that's real. 
Oh wow! That is, oh, see, I didn't even know that. That's fascinating. The Wildlife That's, Conservation yeah. Society is working in Tanzania, the frog's native country, to reintroduce <laughs> the species back into the wild. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. So, the ultimate power in the humble frog is their remarkable life cycle, which is rife with symbolic and metaphorical potential. Mm-hmm. Um, the critical stages of transformation from tadpole to adult frog can vary widely from one another, uh, and they can be shocking to see, especially when we compare it to what we perceive culturally as growth from childhood to adulthood. The frog life cycle is more primal than our own, and as we see it, it's kind of unnerving. You know, it reminds me of Muppet Babies when Robin showed up and he was a tadpole. And it just really unnerved me that a Muppet followed the biological lines of a frog. And also, where were where the hell were the baby's parents? Where did they come from? Did Nanny, like, buy them in a lot? What, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, I don't think they ever explained who the parents... Like, have we ever seen Kermit's parents? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Yeah, weird. Yeah. Um... You know, uh, so, you know, this is also why we see frogs associated with life and rebirth in various cultures, because, again, that central image of the frog's transformation from tadpole to frog, strong metaphorical potential there. Yeah. But, you know, let's look at frog myths more broadly and see what's out there. All right. Do frogs need to drink water? Not quite. Frogs don't guzzle down water like we do, but of course, being amphibians, they do rely on good old H2O to survive. So how exactly do frogs get the water they need? Easy, they absorb it. Frogs have unique permeable skin that water can simply travel through, giving them all the nutrients and minerals they need, while helping them to stay nice and damp, just how they like it. You know, I I believe that because you didn't say through the anus. <laughs> are we just gonna have to guess each one of the mics gonna tell us whether it's true or false that's my plan yeah okay I, i'm gonna say that is true do, do you want me to tell you if it is or not yeah or yeah yes on this that? one for oh, sure yeah, that's true it's true as hell i'm not that okay uh, yeah clever okay no, no yeah. i I, like, I think that's good going forward so. yeah because like, like it's said, gonna I, yeah like <laughs> Like I said, I figured that was true because, again, it didn't involve the butt. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So frogs have been long connected to various cultures in the areas of folklore and folk magic. Of course Um, they have. The first recorded contact between humans and frogs, which is odd to think about. Like, it's a weird thing to quantify. The first recorded contact between a human and a Mm -hmm. frog. Um, likely occurred between the Paleolithic and Magdalenian cultures between 17,000 and 12,000 BCE. So it wasn't in Hoboken? No, it was not in New Jersey. Okay. Um, All right. Just making sure. uh, So this is noted by the presence of frogs or other amphibians in cave art, such as the famous site at Lascaux, France. Right. That's a famous cave with all the art in it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I don't remember if it's the pigeon poop one either. Oh, um, God. I hope it might not. be the pigeon poop one from uh, Cosmic, Cosmic Death, Death Fungus. Fungus. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wanted to mention this 
because early humans long knew about frogs, but it is also fascinating that they are among some of the earliest symbols recorded worldwide. Okay. Well, there's some of the weirdest looking fuckers you're going to find in nature that you don't have to, like, go out of your way to see, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, you can see a frog pretty easy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you're going to be like, what the fuck is that tiny dude? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so so the, the the Hoboken one I was unsure about, but it is funny that you know there there's all this, but the Bible never oh, mentioned no. frogs <laughs> at all, which led Pope Pius the Fourth to declare them beasts of Satan in 1545. I I buy that actually. Uh, okay, so that's gonna make it really awkward when I talk about the plague of frogs in uh, Exodus. Ah, oh, shit. Right. <laughs> Shit, Mike, you got me. You put numbers in it and you fooled me. I didn't know numbers could lie. I thought you would see right through that. Man, I got all excited that you had like a real one about the man fuck. <laughs> so, um, frog imagery is all over numerous African cultures and rock art, such mm-hmm. as the case of the San people, uh, who depicted what uh, have been interpreted as frog-like figures as part of their religious rituals. Uh, This is another example of the idea that frogs and humans have an ancestral connection. Now, I should note here that the article I read about the San Rock Art, uh, titled Frogs are People, Dorothea Bleak and the Genealogy of Ideas in Rock Art Research, um, was a very well-written critique by David Weidelson of an existing interpretation that debates the conclusions of other scholars on the symbols suggesting that the interpretation comes from trying to unify frogs to a sequence of images due to an already apparent significance of frogs in sand culture. Okay. Does that make sense? Uh, yes. Yeah, like it's just, you know, you see these clearly frog-like symbols. Frogs were important, so, so these things have to be frogs. Right. No, I got so, you. So I've included one of the images so we can see why the frog association was made so readily. And you'll take a look at it. Yes, and I'll hold my thoughts until such time as I will give my thoughts. So I I bring up the situation with the interpretation of sand art for a reason. First, when working from the remains of ancient cultures, we are often limited by what material evidence remains. So there is a tendency to connect oral and myth traditions with a limited pool of physical evidence. Okay, so this image you've shared. Mm-hmm. This is either an evolutionary chart showing the development of frog to man, or someone is being judged for trang- transgressing frog law. <laughs> this is a jury. I, I want to get this on a t-shirt and just go uh, frog mode. I think that would be a great t-shirt. <laughs> that would be. <laughs> it, no. It's kind of an Animorphs cover. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> it is. Fuck. It's a tribal Animorphs cover. Great. Oh, wow. Yeah. I see that. yeah. Well... Another way frogs are close to people is they have a wide range of emotions, just like us. Their slimy bodies and bulging eyes and distinctive coloring, frogs appear as about as different from people as possible to be. But despite these similarities, it's important to remember that they are sentient beings capable of complex range of emotions, including happiness, anxiety, excitement, and stress. You're full of shit, Mike. No, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy that. I'm going to buy that one. Frogs have been known to display altruistic behavior. 
that's when a creature puts its need above needs of others, another above its own. And that is that is true. That's a frog fact I came across. Really? Yeah. Fuck. Okay. I just, it just sounded like, I mean, like, yeah, okay, it was wordy, but I was like, oh, Mike's making this shit up. Well, well and here's the thing. My clue was the, the word stress, because stressing oh, frogs yeah. out is going to oh, be yeah. a very important part of this going forward. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's it's going to get dark. Um, oh, boy. When so, does it not get dark when animals are involved <laughs> right? on this fucking show? Right. Um, no, I, I rack up quite the body count in this one. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Now I had mentioned earlier, like early craftsmanship and that sort of thing. So right. we, we may often see lumpy primitive statues as like frog like, um, though that may have just been the limits of craftsmanship of the period. Um, the same applies to the apparent sequential image that can be interpreted as a human transforming into a frog. Okay. Given, Given what is known about sand culture and their interpretations of frogs, linking that imagery to frogs makes an inherent sense, uh, but that may only be partially accurate as well. Right. They're they're assuming. Mm-hmm. So I want to bring that up because many of these interpretations about uh, frog goddesses and myths, while supported in scholarship, may just be the phenomena of making associations like this. That said, the widespread presence of frog imagery in folklore is incredible across different cultures, and we're going to be getting into that now. Well, like Mike said, that's because there's so goddamn many types of them. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem with looking at frogs from culture to culture is that their presence is interpreted radically differently. For example, look at the Greeks and the Romans. For the Greeks, the frogs could represent harmony. But for the Romans, there is an association with licentiousness. Ah, yes. Come, my love. Let us fuck like frogs. <laughs> I'm going to well, use that this weekend. Well, <laughs> it, it, in a little-known twist of events, Alex Jones, in fact, made frogs gay. That, that, <laughs> okay, that's a bullshit fact, but I believe that bullshit fact. Now, now, wasn't it the chemicals that made the frogs gay? Uh, yeah, but I think Alex Jones did it. Al- Alex real. Jones was pouring the chemicals. It was. Oh, oh. okay, okay. Oh. It, like some sort of like false flag, you would exactly. say. Exactly. It was a false flag operation. The frogs were... I, I had to do it for, for listeners. <laughs> now, for now, I just want to focus on the most common associations of frogs and myths and culture, and those are reproduction, the feminine, and harvest. And all three of those kind of make sense. Mm-hmm. Of course, ancient Egypt had its own frog lore, which seemed to connect frogs to fertility. Right. I, now, I'm going to turn to ancientorigins.net a lot, because they I, had like three different articles that were adjacent to what I was talking about. Right. And I just want to say that ancientorigins.net, I keep expecting it to be about like ancient aliens, so I'm really glad it's not. Yeah, it's actually a pretty decent website. Oh, um, good. So, quote, in 3000 BCE, the early dynastic Egypt, uh, in early dynastic Egypt, millions of frogs were born after the annual flooding of the Nile, and it was held as a symbol of life and fertility. Consequently, in Egyptian mythology, a frog goddess, Heket, uh, represented fertility and was depicted as a woman with a frog's head. Now, I'm going to admit, I have not seen any Rule 34 of her on DeviantArt yet. And I've seen a lot of Egyptian stuff on DeviantArt that is uh, questionable. Mm. 
Um, you I haven't know, seen I, Frog Mommy yet. I I would say you're probably more likely to see Keck than Heket, just yes. because of 4chan. Yeah, fuckers. Yeah. So the association here is that the frog croaking after a particularly wet season on the Nile uh, meant a boon in food production. You know, the more people um, who can eat their fill, the higher the odds of having families. You're more likely to have sex when you're not starving to death. That's, that's pretty true. Mm-hmm. Um, as for Heket, ancient or- uh, ancientorigins.net had a separate write-up for the figure. Um, in most interpretations of the figure, Heket was a partner to Knum, who Ver- represented... Hmm? I was just going to say, I'll, I've been waiting to see how you say that. Yeah, I, I think... Yeah, Knum. Okay, good enough. Um, who represented creation and the Nile River. Now, Heket would represent childbirth, but also appear in funerary contexts. Hmm. Uh, she's tied to many significant figures in Egyptian mythology as well, such as having assisted in delivering Horus, the son of Osiris and Isis. It sort of makes sense, though, that she's kind of like a bookend goddess. Mm-hmm. Um, she was such a significant figure that she had a prevalent cult attached with fertility. Archaeological records in the ancient city of Kus include signs of a temple devoted to her built in the Ptolemaic period. Huh. Mm-hmm. Golden mantella frogs live in large groups with twice as many males as females. That makes for quite the mating season. Uh, okay. I'm going to say that's true. Yeah. They look very similar to poison dart frogs in South America and no less toxic. And yes, that's true. Yeah, I figured. There we go. Hey, I'm, I'm doing pretty good so far. Yeah. You're doing better than I am. I'm a sucker. <laughs> All right. So I want to read an excerpt from an excellent essay by Yi Shuzan titled From Frog to Nua and Back Again, The Religious Roots of Creation Myths. Now, hmm. this article focuses on the link between prehistoric art in China involving frog symbols and their connections to what we interpret to be frog goddesses associated with creation mythology. Okay. Quote, The frog has a number of symbolic meanings, among which the most important one pertains to water, the major factor of the natural environment in which it lives. In ancient China, people would pray for rain by imitating frogs, the image of the frog appeared on bronze drums, <laughs> whose sound usually reminded people of the thunder and lightning. So people believe that frogs croaked for rain. Sometimes the frog is mixed up with the toad, since both are associated with water and yin. It is believed that the quail, also known as a firebird, yang, would transform into an aquatic frog, yin, in the spring equinox, and then become a quail again in the light of the basic regular movements of nature. All right. I'm just picturing Chinese people sitting in fields, croaking at the sky, and it it, it, it makes me get going. It kind of makes me happy. Mm-hmm. The national bird of Lithuania is a frog. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what I'm the gonna, fuck is that? I'm going to say that one's false. Yeah, same. Hey, I didn't say they'd all be bangers. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> bird's a frog. <laughs> How is that the funniest one so far? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh. Well, frogs are used as official currency in 12 nations. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a no. That's a no for uh, me, dog. Yeah, that's great, though. I like it. Uh, now, this article is comprehensive and points out many examples of frog goddesses across the uh, region, spilling into Tibet and India. It also lays out a solid association for why frog goddesses may have been so prominent in cultures all over the world. So, let's return to Hecate in Egypt and her association with the Nile River. Okay. The ubiquity of frogs worldwide and their constant lifestyles around bodies of water make them natural markers for wet and dry seasons, which yeah. are essential to agriculture. That being said, agriculture is often tied to the feminine, as agriculture is a literal issue of life or death for many of these early cultures. Yeah, also it's like, you you can see the... the 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 coming the growing season being associated with the growing of a new life yeah mm-hmm. totally mm-hmm. now shuzan's article further illustrates the connection between fertility and menstruation and the cycle of seasons um it, okay. and this yeah and this results in a fascination and mystique with women which factored into the development of goddess culture what we arrive at then is a collision of symbols that often results in cosmic frog women of, across all manner of Eurasian civilizations uh, around a, the world. Even that is a hell of a band name, the Cosmic Frog Women. That sounds dope as hell. I could have seen them at Lilith Fair. <laughs> now, um, in the title of that article, I had mentioned Nua. Nua yeah. is a great example of this frog goddess in Chinese folklore. Let me, know, uh, let me read another brief excerpt from Shuzan's article. Quote, In Chinese oral myths, the frog-toad character is correlated with Nua, chief goddess of creation. There are widespread frog myths on upper reaches of the Yellow River on the motif of creation, and some are variants of Nua myths or associated with the goddess Nua. The most typical variant goes thus. Legend has it that on the one day in the third year of their marriage, Nua said to her husband Fushi, a flood is coming, for the frog is foaming. Before long, she gave birth to a meatball in the water, which was given the name Waren, meaning frogman. In this story, the word frog shares an isomorphic meaning with Wa, goddess Nua, which the former not only being a metaphor of the latter, but also of her genitals. The peasants of the Gansu province have a proverb, quote, when the frog forms, uh, when the frog foams, a storm is about to come, which includes both the frog's natural behavior and its mythical power. The biggest so, frog in the world can weigh nearly seven pounds, the size of a newborn baby. I, I believe <laughs> it. I've seen talk some about bears. a meatball. Yeah. Speaking of the Goliath frogs, found in small ranges in the rainforest of Western Africa, are truly massive. They can grow lengths up to two and a half feet with their legs extended. Wow. Hmm. So I, I'm going to say the seven pound frog is a no, but the two foot extended frog is a yes. No, nah, I've seen some fat boys. That's, that's, that's all one fact. Oh, shit. That's yeah. That's the, that is the fact. Yeah. That's the Goliath and, frog. It's true. I've seen the Goliaths. Okay. But, hey, uh, that's fair. I just want to draw attention back to the divine meatball. Uh, and my question is, was it a spicy? <laughs> Oh, and it, it, it's a very dense sort of mythology to kind of go through there. But, like, y- the the correlation between the frog foams and 
menstruation. It, it all no, I get clicks. It. Yeah, it yeah. makes sense. And it's just one of the things I love about myths like that, you know, like how do how do you explain things? And it ends up being this really bizarre, magical idea. Yeah, somebody thought, yeah, sure, she shot a meatball out of her cooch. Why not? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. That's what they said. <laughs> so, um, you know, let's move on to another source here. Uh, yes, please. Carolyn Thorpe's essay, Frog People of Drakensburg, looks at the presence of frogs in African Bushman mythology. The article references studies of art across several ritual sites that tie the frog as a symbol to three important concepts. Rain girls' puberty, and hunting. Again, the relationship between reproduction, seasons, and agriculture, and survival. Well, again, frogs fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, uh, I, I think uh, some of them can lay up to, like, thousands of eggs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, a frog is a terrible thing to waste. God damn it. <laughs> so, That's a frog fact. <laughs> Um, one article I found fascinating but had no time to get into was a 1940 ethnographic survey of frog mythology written by Alexander H. Crap. Go ahead and get your giggles out now. What's so funny about that name? I don't care. <laughs> Alexander um, H. Crap. That just mm-hmm. sounds great. It's mm-hmm. Crappé. Come on. Yeah, Crappé? Oh, like it's like cr- a Crappé? It's Crap. Um... So the, the title of this uh, article was The Lunar Frog, which covers many examples of frog symbols associated uh, with uh, frog seasons and lunar cycles. Okay. Now, in the Smoky Mountain region of Appalachia, we have a spring peeper who croaks and becomes particularly prevalent in rainy spring periods, often interpreted as a sign of seasonal change like many other frogs worldwide. Yeah, I mean, we get a lot of frogs down here during the rainy season, which is normally from January to December until now because of fucking climate change. Now, I, I couldn't get, like, super into it, but there's, like, a whole bunch of Appalachian, like, lore surrounding frogs and, like, for folk wisdom and medicine and that sort oh. of thing. Oh, I'm there's sure. A, we'll have to cover lots Appalachian. Lots of frog sayings. Yeah. Like we're, like this this episode is us just kind of running through a museum of frog kind and like literally running through and glancing at stuff. Yeah, no, yeah. we're 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 being Johnny Topic Seed right now, just like, like chucking ideas. Like another frog fact: frogs do not taste like chicken. Chicken, in fact, tastes like frogs. Uh, <sighs> I am gonna say that is a yes. Because that one has no no real yes or no. Yeah. Well, no. Well, I, I, my reasoning is that like amphibians existed before oh, reptiles. Oh, it's a chicken and egg. Oh, right, right. But okay. then reptiles became chickens. birds. Right. I guess it depends so, on which one yeah, was eaten first. True. Were frogs eaten first or chickens eaten first? Uh, I guess frogs, but you know, you can just... catch frogs easier. I guess I don't know. Sure huh? as hell wasn't gator, which also tastes like chicken. <laughs> Um, now, frogs are also regarded as important animals in Japan because, again, they are associated with flooding. Uh, frogs in rice paddies were a sign of good fortune during wet seasons, and the amount of eggs frogs produce makes them a symbol of fertility. Makes sense. All of this can factor into association of frogs with wealth uh, in the form of talismans and statues. Linguistically, the sound associated with frogs, keru, representing their croaks. Oh, yeah. 
Keto. 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 Um, Keto. Also sounds like the word Keto, which represents the concept of returning. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then, you know, there's all sorts of other stuff in the, the Asian sphere that, like, we haven't even gotten into. Like, for example, if you go to a Chinese food restaurant, there's always, like, one of those toad statues, right? Is there? Uh, usually, like, you'll you'll see a Buddha, but usually there will also be a toad, or it, it could be I Japanese, I'm not sure. But I, I, if I were to show you a picture of one of those toad statues, you would recognize it instantly. There's Probably a whole so. There's a whole thing there, and it relates to that idea of the frog so, representing wealth. So another reason why frogs can be symbols of returning is that certain species of frogs can freeze nearly solid in the winter and emerge unscathed in the spring. No, that I completely believe that. Wood frogs evolve to freeze up to 65% of their body every winter. The amphibians produce urea and glycogen to make a kind of antifreeze that fills the fills and protects their cells and vital organs while the rest of the body freezes solid. Man, frogs are awesome. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I love that. So All you right. can see how that would, you know, so, people would see, you know, full-grown frogs coming out of a hole. They're like, you know, they know how long it takes a frog to get that big. So like, damn, that frog, you know, just came back to life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So remember, if you want to freeze yourself, piss in your own blood veins. <laughs> Now, in Mesoamerica, you have Seneotl, a patron of childbirth and fertility who took the form of a frog or toad with udders. Oh, God. Wow. That's Lovecraftian. <laughs> or Rule 34-ian. Oh, shut mm-hmm. up. Froggy milkers. <laughs> oh, God. Go to hell. <laughs> Froggy oh, went a milking. God, and he did cry. <laughs> um, now... The Aymara tribe of Peru would use frog images to call rain. The Again, Aztecs calling rain. Interesting. Mm-hmm. The Aztecs had Tla, uh, That's good, good enough. That's good enough. Tlatacuti. Tlatacuti. A lot of okay. <laughs> God damn it, Mike. Their Earth Mother, who often appeared with toad-like features. Now. Quoting from a collection of frog myths from uh, exploratorium.edu, quote, In one legend, she is the source of the entire universe, Quetzalcoatl, the bird serpent god, and Tezcatlipoca, the the magician jaguar god, find her floating alone in the primordial sea. They tear her body in half, uh, forming heaven and the other forming earth. Rude. Some common Mesoamerican toads are known to cannibalize their own and other toad species, which may explain the use of the toad uh, as the image of destruction as well as fertility or rebirth. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, another subject that I wanted to tackle was that of the Tidalic, uh the frog, uh, as part of the Australian Aboriginal Dreamtime creation myth. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah, I opted not to because a subject uh, like the Dreamtime deserves an entire episode on its own. Oh, and, and we will do one. I know I took a lot of inspiration for Aaron Apprentice from the Dreamtime. It's it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, Australian frog fact: there is a an Australian frog that you know doesn't need water, doesn't live near rivers. Uh, given that it's Australia, I'm gonna say true. Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw true on that. 
White's tree frog doesn't need to live near water. White's tree frog buck the trend for amphibians needing to live near water, spending much of their lives up in trees in dry areas like those found in their native Australia. This unique species is able to survive by seemingly survive in seemingly inhospitable habitat thanks to a milky white coating found on its skid called caravalin, which essentially helps their skin to lock in moisture for longer. So they self-moisturize, I guess. Tree frog don't give a fuck. Well, y- you know how to tell if a frog's from Australia, right? It'll try to it bite calls your face you the, off. It calls you the C word? Uh, I, I was going to say it goes crikey instead of croak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, that was stupid. <laughs> no, right. that's way... Yeah, I'm glad you did that because like, mine's worse. Now, I can quite literally go on and on about all of this. Uh, with examples, but we'd be here for a couple more hours for sure. Yeah, but before we do move on, a quick reminder that the Dogon and the Babylonians both had frog gods that allegedly brought them their knowledge of science and nature from the sky. This shit goes way back. Yeah, every continent on Earth, with the exception of Antarctica so far, I feel like there is, like, frog creation myth. Uh, just wait till we find the elder things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, they'll have frogs. Well, you know, for now, how about we take a break? That's great. My bladder's going to explode. Just like a frog. Yep. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. This is Kevin from Supernatural Selection. Are you an independent creator? Do you have a webcomic or an Etsy store? Do you 3D print things? Or are you just looking to get some word out for your Discordian cabal with uh, social terrorism? Well, we'd love to help. And David, I believe you've got some details about how we can help. Why, certainly. If you go to supernaturalselectionpod.com slash contact, that is supernaturalselectionpod.com slash contact, you can learn how to advertise with us. That's right. I believe the rate is $2 per episode. You can't beat that with a stick. Yeah, I mean, trust me, we've tried. Yeah, that's cheap. That's literally cheaper than dirt. Mm-hmm. And best of all, if you're not sure how to write an ad, we'll do it for you. We'll even record it. Absolutely. Just let us know what you need in the ad, and we'll be happy to do that for you. And again, that URL is supernaturalselectionpod.com slash contact. And now... Back to the show. And we're back. Now, before we get back to our topic here, I've got a frog fact of my own. Mm -hmm. Did you know that the very first cartoon of Beavis and Butthead was called Frog Baseball? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. They were playing baseball with a frog. Well, Mm -hmm. frogs... Well, how about uh, frogs have no bones and continuously replace their teeth throughout their life? <laughs> That's sharks. <laughs> Frog, sharks, what's the difference? Okay, fair. <laughs> sure, they've both been around a long time. So how are we feeling about frogs so far? I mean, I always kind of liked frogs in general thanks to Kermit, so I guess okay. Mike, how about you? Frogs have no known natural friends. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but how do you feel about that? Um, sad. Because okay. everybody should have friends. Sure. Especially since well, they, you know, have, you know, all those complex emotions. Uh, well, yeah, right. Nobody ever said it was easy being green, so. Yep. Yeah. 
So while many of our frog associations have been largely, I, I would say, positive, yes. there are some more negative associations. Now, I, I put negative in quotes here for a reason. Right. We've covered a lot of interesting natural and cultural aspects of frogs, but I want to turn to the magical, specifically Ooh. the association of frogs with witchcraft in a European sense. Yeah. Now, again, I used negative in quotes because not all witchcraft is negative. It's a tool, just as a hammer isn't a murder weapon until you actually do the deed. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good analogy. So, we should address the toxicity of toads and frogs in some species. That's right, boys, we're talking about toad licking. Man, Robert Evans' book, A Brief History of Vice, talks about that shit, and it is not recommended. I really need to read that book. Oh, you do. It's before he did Behind the Bastards, and it is great. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to quote a write-up from ancientorigins.net. Again, I've referred to them a lot because I, I, I kept finding articles from them on frogs. Go for right. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but I like how that they, they approach this topic. So, quote, Another power attributed to frogs and toads was alchemical in nature. Because some species were purveyors of poisons, their skins were made into powerful drugs which prevented illnesses and healed wounds, induced uh, hallucinations, Jesus Christ, and and killed enemies. In many cases, these myths have some foundation in truth, as many species of frogs and toads do contain poisonous compounds and hallucinogenic alkaloids. Yes. Now... Frog toxicity is present in over 200 species, mostly clustered in the Central and South America regions. They are for frogs what Australia is for everything else. (laughs) Um, Now, what makes a frog poisonous is the secretion of alkaloid toxins in their skin, a trait shared among all members of the family Dendrobatidae. While not all of them are deadly, many can be, such as the golden poison frog, Philobates terribilis. Hmm, that's a mm-hmm. hell of a name. Now, according to WebMD, the specific frog, uh, that specific pro- frog produces batra, batra, cho, batrocotoxin that can kill up to uh, 20,000 mice or 10 humans at once. I, wow. I don't even know how you measure that. Also, one person is worth the equivalent of a fuckload of mice, based <laughs> Mike, on those numbers. Mike, is that an accurate conversion rate for mice to humans? I mean, 200 mice to the person? Wait, no, 2,000 mice to the person. Like, could you fit 2,000 mice or, in a no, dude? Right the first time. Yeah, 2,000 mice to the person. I guess, you know. I don't want that imagine, in my Google search history. Imagine 2,000 so. mice in a trench coat emulating a person. Um, that's, that <laughs> right. is a Marvel villain. Right, right. Go on a blind date, and then your blind date turns out to be 2,000 mice. Wasn't there some uh, some horror thing that was like a, a like a like just a pile of rat? I don't know. I don't think of rat. Some, uh, Willard. I think, huh? Oh, oh there, there is the rat king. Yeah, well, the, rat the rats king, get sure. tangled up. Okay, but what about a frog king? I, I might be thinking of just like some specific movie that had a bunch of rats or something. I don't know. Willard. Maybe. Was there Candy Man? Was there a bunch of rats in Candy the, Man? No, no it was you're, you're talking about Willard. Oh Willard. yeah, Willard with Crispin Glover. He, yeah, he. Had, well, that was a remake. But well, yeah, yeah, the remake. Army of Rats. Yeah. Mm. 
That's yeah. it. Now, for many species, <laughs> the effects of their secretion includes uh, reactions such as swelling, muscle paralysis, and nausea. At varying intensities, these secretions have been used differently. It just depends on the species and the application. As for where their secretions derive their toxicity, studies have indicated that a steady diet of ants and certain plants within the, uh, with those same kind of alkaloids end up processing and being secreted by these frogs. Well, I mean, that makes sense. you got to reload somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, now, you know, and, you know, if... You, if, if Somehow, I found evolutionarily useful, you know, sweating bacon grease. I would, I would do that. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I could see that. It's, now, it's for sliding. Oh yeah. <laughs> now, the, the chemical nature of some frogs has led them to be used to harm, heal, and take people on trips. Uh, Mesoamerican tribes would coat arrow tips in toxic frog juice. Uh, which yes. is just fun to say, frog juice. Which, the, the, there's a reason that one frog is called the uh, poison dart frog. Mm-hmm. Some painkillers have been developed by using variations on these frog toxins. Shut up and take your frog pills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now, we've all heard those stories about people getting high off licking amphibians. Like that episode of The Simpsons where Homer was on the run from PBS and was hiding on that one island in the South Pacific as a missionary. Remember that one? Kinda. I remember the PBS part because Betty White came after him with a tank. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Elmo knows where you live. Yes. Which is one of my favorite quotes from The Simpsons. (laughs) He pledged a bunch of money and then didn't pay him and then went on the run because Betty White and Elmo were after him. Damn. Dad, are you licking toads again? I'm not not licking toads. <laughs> ABLT. Always be licking toads. Yeah. Or toads. That, that's our uh, requisite into. Simpsons reference for yep. the episode. Um, hey, all hail the hypno toad. There we got future on there, the end. Too. There we go. Now, you'll notice everything I've talked about here mostly relates to the new world. Yes. Um, however, frogs have their alchemical associations in Eurasia as well. Poison of frogs and toads can be found pretty much uh, on every continent, with the uh, exception of Antarctica. Again, unless we're talking about deep toads in the Mountain of Madness. Yes. Now, this make the the whole thing with uh, alchemy makes sense to me because frogs, by their nature, change form. You know, they go from egg to tadpole to frog. And, of course, you can use them in alchemy, probably butterflies, too. Because, I mean, the entire idea of alchemy is changing one thing into another. Yeah, um, so, so you're thinking like a hedge witch. Absolutely, I'm thinking like a hedge Kevin, witch. Kevin, frogs and butterflies are the sorcerer's stone. Or philosopher's stone, that's what Yeah, stone. you're well, I mean, you know, in America, the editors changed it to sorcerer's stone. But nonetheless. Well, I'm, I'm saying in the traditional yes, philosopher's, the philosopher's stone. stone. Man, somebody needs to tell those kids from Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah. get a bunch of fucking frogs. It, it's funny that you mentioned stones and frogs, because we'll get into that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, stone so, toads. Uh, uh, toadstones. Okay, there's two different what about, things. What about yeah. toads that are stoned? No, this is a different thing. Okay. Okay. Fucking frogs, man. <laughs> I love frogs. It's fucking great. <laughs> so, I also want to note here that in some traditions and texts, frogs and toads may be confused for salamanders. Um, I, I don't expect a 13th century monk to be much of an amphibian expert. 
Um, they're mostly busy illuminating manuscripts and not trying to die of the pox. Yeah, but don't forget the wine. So, so, so what's so a herpetologist is a snake person. What's a frogatologist? Uh, that's a good question. We're gonna find out. I, I don't have that frog fact handy. Yeah, I don't, I don't have that either. So one one of us will Google it and just chime in when you have it. Um, okay. All right. So specifically in Europe, we have the natterjack as a source of alchemical frog stuff. Not alchemical frog butt stuff. Hopefully. Uh, real quick, <laughs> it is called bactricology. Bactricology. Rad. All right. So the natterjack or bufo calamita is well documented uh, documented in European folk medicines and ritual magic. Now, this next bit is pretty fucked up and gruesome, all okay. right? But it represents hedge witchery of the time, and I'm not really joking about this. This is going to get kind of gruesome. Okay. Right. So this comes from the MIT Press Reader. Quote, The toad bone ritual was simple enough. Take a natterjack toad and place it in a copper pot with holes, then bury it in an ant hill for long enough to allow the ants to strip the toad's flesh clean. God damn it. The resulting skeleton is then, after some particulars, tossed into a stream, and whichever bone floats upstream is identified as the toad bone. All right. Animal cruelty for fun and profit. Well, gotcha. I didn't say it had to be alive. Uh... Well, we, we, we got more here. Yeah. Further. A living toad, well, stressed out inside a <laughs> copper pot and attacked by ants in the darkness, will produce a considerable amount of toad venom in an attempt to stave off the ants. So, once removed from the ant hill, the copper pot will contain a toad stripped of its flesh, but also a residue of thick, venomous excretions that can be scraped off and used in more practical ways than just bone pointing. God damn it. So I'm, I'm not going to cover the myriad of beliefs about frog and toad parts and their usage. When they talk about the toadstone, that's almost like, um, you know, ritual bones, like you, you throw the bones and that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. Right, um, the toad bone. Yeah. There, there's just so many. It's You use all the parts of the frog. No, no part gets <laughs> left alone. It's like a pig. Um, right. But, but I do want to point out one specific example, the toadstone. This is from Pokemon, isn't it? It's something you use to evolve a Pokemon. <laughs> like Froakie. Uh, no, Froakie evolves uh, at a normal, uh, based on level. God damn it, don't play semantics with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, I'll talk to you about Pokemon all day, dude. All right, so. Different again, show. Right, again from ancientorigins.net. Quote, a widely held superstition in medieval Britain concerned the Toadstone, also known as Bufanite. <laughs> Uh, that was supposed to be found inside Toads' heads. What the fuck? Believed to be an antidote to poison, they were set into magical rings and amulets from medieval times until the 18th century. These stones were said to heat up or change color in the presence of poison, thereby protecting the wearer from foul play. The mysterious Toadstone was actually a button-sized, fossilized tooth of... Lepidodes, an ex extinct genus of ray fin fish from the Jurassic and Cretaceous periods, and all of the associated powers were in the heads of the wearers. Of course they were. Mm -hmm. Now, this toadstone was actually mentioned in Act 2 of Shakespeare's As You Like It, with, quote, 
Sweet are the uses of adversity which, like the toad, ugly and venomous, wears yet a precious jewel in his head. Weird. They're also evoked in Act 4 of Macbeth, at least in name, but I think the reference may be made towards a toxic plant named after a toad. But this is going to let us segue into a brief uh, detour on witchcraft and the role of frogs and toads in witchcraft specifically. Okay, you know, I was sitting there trying to remember. I was like, didn't the witches say something about it? And I realized that was Eye of Newt. Yeah, I was mm. thinking the same thing. Yeah. But see, see, these ref- literary, literary references are mentioning toads, not frogs like found in a Hoboken. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> so you're saying that it's toads that were mentioned first. Yeah. And then frogs in Hoboken yes. in modern. Okay, good. Glad we've got everyone use that as a reference in your schoolwork. Yes. Put it on Wikipedia, please. Yep. Edit the Wikipedia article real quick. And scientists also estimate that on average you'll accidentally eat five frogs while you sleep in your lifetime. Oh, you have killed me with that one, buddy. Fuck. Okay. Mike, you need to write an episode. (laughs) All right. When we we cover witchcraft and the witch trials in Europe and the Americas, I'll have a lot more to say, uh, but this episode is already getting pretty long, so I'm going to be brief here. Again from MIT, quote, German and English texts commonly describe a witch or wizard keeping a toad familiar, a relationship built upon a parasitic practice of bloodletting in exchange for the familiar's obedience. I've heard of this. While traditionally it was the witch who gave suck to the familiar, we read in some confessions that the toad would be fed and then milked for a substance that could be used in ointments and other male- uh, malefic practice. Man, people need to stop milking frogs. Right? Mm-hmm. Especially the ones without udders. Yeah, <laughs> and, and consent matters. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, keep quoting here. Uh, this cycle, the witch feeding the toad and receiving its rewards, reflects the concept that the foodstuff being fed to the toad was somehow linked to the power that the toad itself had, and then was then passed to the witch. So perhaps the practitioner, be they alchemist or cunning craft witch, controlled the diet of the natterjack with specific foods, introducing into its system chemicals that then modified the naturally occurring uh, bufuviridin and bufutenin. That's a lot of bufo. So, so, So they're using the frogs as just like nature's uh breeder reactors they're they're using the frog as an alchemist stone okay yeah are, are they making them gay i mean it, it, <laughs> I, it, it's feed it the right stuff i guess okay just a couple cosmos so is this is this like when you know supposedly you know you eat asparagus and you know makes your pee smell bad it makes other or, stuff smell bad too but or, yeah, yeah kinda or, yeah, you know, yeah, you drink kinda. a lot of pineapple juice, and it makes other things taste sweet. You know, yes. Uh, uh, another that- thing that I forgot to mention is that, like the toadstone thing. The other idea is that the the the, the stone might actually have been calcified um, secretions ah. on the corpse of a frog. Okay. Yeah, so that, that's another one I forgot to mention. But yeah, that, so that's another possible explanation there. Let's go look for toadstones. Mm. 
Um, just don't do the thing where you bury them in an anthill. Oh, God, no. Jesus, that's terrible. If you if you do that to a frog, you should have that done to you. Mm. Now, of course, when talking about some of the more sinister associations frogs and toads, we should mention plagues. Oh, yeah, let's get biblical in this bitch. Mm-hmm. So, in Exodus 8, we have the <laughs> iconic moment where Moses summons frogs and then God mass murders them all. <laughs> Quote, then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will plague your whole country with frogs. The Nile will teem with frogs. They will come up to, into your palace and your bedroom and onto your bed, into the houses of your officials and on your people and into your ovens and kneading troughs. The frogs will go up on you and your people and all your officials. Damn. So then we have a moment where Aaron and several magicians, it's interesting, like magicians mentioned in the Bible. There, um, there's there's magicians in the Old Testament, yes. Yeah. And necromancers. Mm-hmm. So Aaron and several magicians summon a teeming mass of frogs from the waters of the Nile that proceed to swarm over Egypt. Then here's the fucked up part. Quote, After Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh... Moses cried out to the Lord about the frogs he had brought on Pharaoh. And the Lord did what Moses asked. The frogs died in the houses, in the courtyards, and in the fields. They were piled into heaps, and the land reeked of them. Did did they at least eat something off of them? Like the legs? Like, yeah, so, like, I, I hope they would like at least eat them. So I, I guess Pope Pius didn't read about this part, I guess. He missed he missed this part. He was reading the abridged version of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, he, he skipped the first episode, which is the Old Testament, and he yeah, jumped he mi- to the second episode, because that's when it gets really good. Yeah, he had the version that removed the Jews. So so um, yeah, yeah, he, he like started on season two and he always meant to go back to season one. Well, you know, but he it heard it was kind of a slog. So. Well, you know, it didn't get good until season two. Yeah. But this this does re-emphasize my idea that Old Testament God wasn't was a bastard. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, very vengeful, very yeah. jealous. Pharaoh, you're, you're, all your shit's gonna stink of frogs. I'm gonna frog the shit out of you. <laughs> <coughs> Frogging—that's so, a new new torture. Yes. Oh man. So, I, I do apologize for all the dead frogs so far. You didn't do it. <laughs> uh, well, you know, um, th- there's also a moment in Revelation sixteen thirteen that is pretty metal. Quote, okay. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Okay, the whole of Revelation just reads like a Slayer song. Or it's literally my favorite book of the Bible. Oh, I love, obviously. I love Revelation, yeah. So, to me, all of this also reminds me of stories of frogs raining from the sky, uh, which is a rare meteoro- uh, meteorological phenomenon when a population of little hoppy boys gets pulled up <laughs> into a storm and rain down miles away to the confusion of people. Uh, a famous example of this was in Calgary in 1921. Um, huh. we've heard of that phenomenon, right? Yes. Sometimes it's fish. Yes. Now, now my source on that Calgary incident, uh, also has another brutal end for those frogs. God damn it. 
a quote, apparently the neighborhood cats, which would have likely roamed freely back in 1921, feasted on the frogs. You know, my dad got caught in a fish rain, but not frogs. It's kind of close. Have you mentioned that before on the show? I, I don't know like if I have. have. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't. We've been going for three years. It's hard to remember. Yeah, that that's true. Yeah, um, but my dad got caught in a fish rain and ran in, and my grandma was like, why'd you run in? And he was like, it's raining fish. And she was like, no, it's not. Looked out, oh, shit. <laughs> did, did you at least, uh, did they at least keep the fish or some of the fish to eat? Uh, I think they were terrified of the fact that fish were falling from the sky, so no. <laughs> Ne- never look, never overlook fish rain as a I, source of free food. I think the basic rule, though, normally is don't eat the sky fish. <laughs> I think they're always like small fish too. Like yeah, they're not, usually not like minnows size. and shit. And maybe sardine size. I mean, thank God it wasn't tuna. Yeah. Oh God, that's like that's worse than hail. That's just like you know. <laughs> what happened to your What happened to your Volkswagen? A tuna fell on it. A, a school was leveled pound. today when tuna rained from the sky. <laughs> Yeah, because tuna can get like a thousand pounds. It's like it's oh, like yeah. dropping cows from the sky. Yeah, no. sky cows. Sky cows. <laughs> it's like earthworm Jim. Yeah, some species of frogs can spend weeks or months underwater, never coming up for air. True. Yeah, I'm gonna say true on that one. Yeah, some frogs are able to breathe through their skin, which yeah. allows them to spend much of their lives beneath the surface. Yeah, words kind of like gills. Hell yeah. So, frogs are fucking awesome. Don't, don't some frogs also breathe through their butt? Yes. <laughs> and I'm glad you finally got around to butt stuff with <laughs> That's the frogs. That's what made me think of it. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, butt stuff with frogs is a felony in a couple of states. It's also another good band, though. <laughs> butt stuff with frogs? Yes. They're, <laughs> they're modern punk. Yes. Oh, boy. All right. So, you know, we, we've talked about, like, a lot of like magic and symbology of frogs, but let, let's get into some like <laughs> cryptid stuff. How about that? Yeah. So frog hybrids aren't exactly rare in the world of cryptozoology. Um, the anatomical association between humans and frogs is very strong. Right. So a fusion of humans and frogs is relatively easy to associate within the fertile human mind. You know, again, after all, many of us uh, dissected frogs in school to better understand our own anatomy. Yeah. However, none of these, like, frog hybrids quite hit that frog cryptid sweet spot like the Loveland frog. That is very true. And before we go on with that, I just want to say I uh, dissected a frog with the metal heads. So, like, they crucified it and, like, did a oh, ritual God. with it and shit. Fuck. So, our teacher was highly disturbed. But anyway, <laughs> it is high time we talked about Enrique. Enrique, our mascot from the logo, is the Loveland Frog. I named him Enrique because I name everything Enrique. <laughs> uh, but he's been our mascot since the get-go, and we've never really talked about the Loveland Frogs. So, buckle up. <laughs> The year was, I always say that, the year was 1955 and a traveling salesman was driving out of the Branch Hill neighborhood in Loveland, Ohio. It's always a traveling salesman. Whatever happened to those guys? I heard that they died out. There was a play about it. Oh, right. I think it's Sears' fault. You know, probably. And J.C. Penney. 
Anyway, so the unnamed man saw three forms standing by the side of the road that night. They were about three and a half to four feet tall and standing on their hind legs. He could see they were lumpy with the faces of frogs and had rough skin covered with a hint of mucus. Kind of like me and Mike right now. The guy was already shocked by seeing this in his headlights when one of the three frogmen pulled a wand out of somewhere and started waving it over his head. Frog wizards from another realm. (laughs) And and how does he know they're frog men? I mean, unless he saw them hanging dong, which I'm pretty sure frogs don't have dong anyway. They didn't have tits. Frogs don't have dongs or tits. Anthropomorphic ones probably would. Mm. Uh, Only if you're drawing rule rule 34. Yeah. So sparks begin shooting out of the wand in all directions, and our unnamed protagonist did the most sensible thing in the world. Motherfucker gunned it the hell out of there and started telling people. I don't think I'd tell anybody if I saw (laughs) three and a half foot tall wand-wielding frogs. The frog did some wizard shit at me. Yeah, no. People would (laughs) lock me up. Well, and then also, you know, associations with goblins here, like those of the Hopkinsville incident, um, and mentioned in Hellier, there there have been wands associated with them, and they're about the same height. Yeah, as, that's, yeah. So, I, that, I'm just I'm noticing a parallel there. Yeah, no, and, and it's and, a good parallel. And, and the Hopkinsville goblins jumped high. Maybe there were frogs in spacesuits. Or maybe they were frogs with fake ears on their heads. No, that's their like <laughs> exosuits. Ooh, interesting. Now, there were questions about the authenticity of this story. Since and, the, we, and the soberness of the driver. Well, we didn't have a name to put with the story. But in 1972, there was another sighting. Bear in mind, 55 to 72. Not a lot. So, mm. Officer Ray Shockey was driving out near the old boot factory by the Little Miami. Yes, Miami. Spelled Miami, but pronounced Miami the Little Miami River, when he saw the same creature standing by a guardrail in his headlights, and it seemed to have its hands up on the guardrail like it was going to leap over it. Now, now imagine watching a real frog need to brace themselves with a little stick to make a jump. It's very delightful. Uh, yeah. uh, <clears throat> uh my back. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a frog. It shouldn't need to, like, hold on to anything for jumping. Right. No, I It's agree. an old frog. It's, it's an old what? frog. It's an old frog. Oh, it's Grandpa Frog. Mm -hmm. So, Shockey reported it, and it hit the news. Now, the next part of this story didn't come out until 2016 because of another sighting of the Frogman. Because the news never does follow-ups, and I don't think either of these guys reported it. Hmm. About two weeks after Shockey's sighting, Another officer named Mark Matthews saw what sounded like the same creature in the same area out near the boot factory. Three feet or so tall and frog-like. But Matthews did the American thing. He pulled over, got out his rifle, and shot the thing dead on sight. So Matthews then loaded it in the trunk and took it back to the station to show Shockey presumably to brag and be like, I shot your fucking monster like a real man. Never underestimate the American propensity to open fire in any given situation. Yeah. What, what, what's, what's the thing? Uh, 
Oh, there's a stupid saying that uh, shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah, or no, it's uh, the yeah, no, it's it concludes with uh, and let God sort it out. Oh yeah, kill them all, let God yeah. sort them out. Yeah, there you go. So back <clears throat> at the station, when they popped the trunk, they discovered Matthews had shot and killed a very large iguana with its tail missing. <clears throat> so. I thought this sounded like bullshit when I read it at first, but after doing the research, it turns out that Cuban and Mexican iguanas can grow up to seven feet long with their tail, and without the tail, they can be around three to four feet long, so fuck me, it was an iguana that time, just with its front legs up on the guardrail. Iguana wizards from another realm! (laughs) God damn it, David. What was that, Mike? It was just trying to climb over the guardrail. Yeah. I wonder how it lost the tail. You know, that's the question. Ran over, I guess. We're still left with that first sighting of the three frogmen in 55. And we're still left with the 2016 sighting that prompted the revelation about the 72 sightings. We're also left with a much more disturbing question of what maniac might have been out there for the past 70 years cutting the tails off iguanas and chucking them out by the old boot factory. Well, he was he was making boots with their tails, obviously. I guess some weird former employee out there laughing like a maniac. Anyway, it's a mystery Whoa. any way you slice it. So A Cuban iguana can live 60 to 70 years. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. Seri- I didn't read that. Wow. Okay. So Maybe yeah. there's three of them, but or, still, who cut the tails? Or it could have been, you know, yeah. I well, don't know. Some, some lizards <laughs> will drop their tails to escape predators. I've only heard that with smaller lizards. Yeah, so I've never seen like a big lizard do that. Well, I, I, I'm just saying that there's no, it, there's uh, lizards that do that. You know what sure, I mean? So who yeah. knows? Maybe I don't know about Cuban iguanas, but okay. Yeah, now I want to see Godzilla drop his tail in a movie when another dude. Monster that shows would be up. dope as hell. That would like, be it, fucking it just hilarious. People just freaking out. Plop, and just everybody dies. Right. So, so obviously, there's not a whole lot here to do a whole episode on the Loveland Frog, right? But I really do love it as a cryptid. You know, <laughs> a, a big walking frog that is just the kind of weirdness that I want to believe in. I mean, who doesn't? It's probably the most whimsical cryptid we've we've covered. So, so mm-hmm. if we're getting back to frogs, how about another frog fact? Oh, Ooh. if if you look a frog in the eyes, it will assume you have challenged it to a freestyle rap battle. <laughs> and you will true and you will lose i i know it's false but i want to believe it yeah it's false yeah. i made that one up I, i'm shocked mike <laughs> <laughs> well we 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 talked about uh you know frog cryptids we talked about frogs and their relationship to humanity right so let's talk about human frog hybrids shall we like like, is, like boning a frog is this a thing Uh, We're going to get into it. Oh, great. So for this next section, I primarily use macroevolution.net, a website by Eugene M. McCarthy, Ph.D., that proposes (laughs) that human origins come from interspecies hybridity. Oh, no. Monkey frog fucking. Yep. 
this is an entirely separate topic that deserves some attention just so that we could talk about dog-cow hybrids, God of which fuck. the website has an entire section about it. This is going to be as bad as the Electric Universe, isn't it? <laughs> well, if you listen to our two-part series on Alex Chu and his, or, you know, his myriad references on our Week in Weird episodes, I can tell you that this is the exact vibe the website macroevolution.net gives, and I love it. I can't wait to upset Mike with a deep dive into it. <laughs> oh, this is this I is going to be time cube redux. <coughs> I will I will prepare my anus. Oh boy! <laughs> All right, so um, I mean, much like the frog, you can breathe out of it. Yes. Anyway, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. um, Only now, out though. I can't breathe in. God damn it! <laughs> so so. We're, we're going to go through some of the uh, evidence of frog-human hybrids on the website that the, uh, the good doctor has gathered. Oh, good. Now, many of these are horribly, hilariously fucked up newspaper reports. <laughs> From the 1800s, um, right? Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, so one reported frog-human hybrid comes from an 1888 edition of Colorado Salida's Hale. Hale being the name of the, the journal or newspaper. Okay. And Kevin, I want you to go ahead and give us a good 1888 voice to read this. All right, I'm going to do the best I can. A strange monstrosity. A horrible child was born to a respectable married lady of Goshen, Indiana, Saturday night. The production was quite small and bore the toes webbed while the arms assumed unnatural positions and the fingers were also webbed. There was no strong resemblance to a frog. The feet were flat and neck and head were drawn back. The face was more like a frog's than human. There was no spine, and the offspring appeared to rest more naturally when placed upon hands and feet. Right, so, I'm not gonna lie, this kind of sounds more like a thalilamide baby. Yeah, it's just some, you know, fucked up, it, unfortunate, you know... It, Yeah, like the kids in the hall, this is a flipper baby. Yeah. Just, a horrible child was born. <laughs> a horrible <laughs> child was born! Fuck this thing! <laughs> Fuck it! Oh, oh the God. midwife fainted. <laughs> Everyone there threw up. <laughs> All right. Next, we have from the Carbondale, Kansas Independent, circa 1883. Now, now this one's pretty fucked. And uh, oh, and this the last one, is one wasn't. Yeah, no, this one's even more fucked, and we're, it's a long one because I'm, I'm doing the entirety of the article here, but I'm also okay. going to like break in here and there. I really feel like I should... This this is the wrong time to have quit drinking. (laughs) The Frog Child, a curious freak of nature, one of the most extraordinary monstrosities ever seen. A reporter of the Republican visited the Frog Child, Matthew Perry... Matthew Perry. (laughs) Too soon. I know. Who is now on exhibition on O Street, near 7th Street, Northwest, yesterday afternoon. And behold... One of the most extraordinary monstrosities on record. This child is said to be 13 years of age, weighs 19 pounds, and is 18 inches in height. Most monstrosities present an unsightly appearance, but in this case, the child is so bright and lively, being naturally smart, that the general feeling of disgust is not felt. The forearms and hands, as well as the feet and legs below the knees, are exactly like those of a frog. Now... (laughs) 
I'm sorry. This is just incredibly fucked up. You it know? is. So, so this so horror thing... child is pretty smart. Yeah, so what? Thing... What a smart thing for a monstrosity. I'm also getting that punctuation has really like changed. Yeah, because mm-hmm. like I'm we've... trying to follow that. I'm like going, is the child Matthew Perry? Oh no, that's the reporter. I think the child. <clears throat> I thought the child was no, Matthew no. Perry. Matthew Perry's the reporter. Okay, I just feel like we I... bought more periods yeah. at some point. Yeah, no, it, it's like the worst run-on <laughs> sentence. We, I think they just didn't have the money for periods back then. It, well, you know, it was typesetting. They, they, they had a lot had of like commas. Three. They had a lot of commas, but no periods. Yep. Now, the, the the next part reads like something out of The Shadow over Innsmouth. Also, I really do feel bad that we mentioned Matthew Perry. <laughs> I, I don't know. I I think he would probably like that we're still remembering him. Yeah, actually, I... God, that would have been funny. It's, hey, Matthew, were you, or like his character from Friends, were you a frog boy? <laughs> anyway, so... The face and head are slightly deformed, one eye being larger than the cottage oh. yip from Coda's world. <laughs> I was one, thinking Quasimodo. Yeah, but. that too. One eye being larger than the other, while the mouth is that of a frog. When the child opens its mouth, it has the appearance of a frog's mouth. The palate is just beginning to form. The ears are small, round, and ill-shapen, and the child hops as near like a frog as possible. The feet are cold and clammy as a frog's, while the remainder of the body emits the same heat as other human beings. The child is observant and quick to understand and see all that is passing about him. A doll was placed at the further end of the table upon which he was sitting, and he would then hop for it just like a frog. (laughs) He seemed to enjoy throwing away everything given him. Everything amuses him, and his antics are comical to a laughable degree. A lady present took his hat, saying, I'm going to take your hat away if you don't stand on your head. The child gave her a quizzical look and then put his thumb upon his nose and expended his fingers, forming the significant well-known sign, you can't come it. What? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, this is child abuse. <laughs> yes. Like, oh my it's, God. it's so fucked up. We are, it's we like, as a species, this is Jesus like Christ. bullies in school, I'm gonna steal your hat, shithead. <laughs> He has a hop, he has a frog boy hop. He has a, a uh, long a long career of three bits of gander ahead of him. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> I think we're getting into that, aren't we? <laughs> right. So so there wasn't a lot going on in 1883. So so taunting a child pretty much was your only source of entertainment. <laughs> Man, thank God for television and Stooky Bill and all that. <laughs> we also had like so little going on. Like you were already pretty shittily off, so. Seeing someone less fortunate than you, I guess, is kind of a pick-me-up. Also, you couldn't drink the water, so you were just, like, drenched on whiskey all the time. And then you see a freak baby, you're like, I'm a mess with that thing. Yeah, you know you're going to have a nice year when a frog boy is born. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, We got something to do, finally. You've got at least three years if you're lucky. Oh, man. Uh, All right, so back to to this asshole. The cause of this very peculiar malformation, as stated by the father, is that the mother, shortly before giving birth to the child, was digging in the garden and dug up a toad, which fell upon its back and commenced kicking in its effort to right itself. The child, when on its back, makes motion similar to the frog, when in a like position. The father has four children besides this, but they're all right physically and mentally. Showmen have made him offers, but they are not large enough to induce him to exhibit his child. Many people were present to see this odd piece of humanity. <laughs> You're sounding a little bitter by the end there, Kevin. <laughs> I'm a little pissed. 
Yeah. I, not I'm right sorry, but so. we had to do the whole article. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's kind of important. Uh, <laughs> so, so, there, so, yeah, go ahead. I just need to say that there was this prevailing theory for a long time that, like, if a woman was, say, frightened by a horse or an elephant, the baby would come out looking like whatever scared her, which was the initial, like, you know, the elephant man, Joseph Merrick? Uh -huh. yeah. mm -hmm. The theory was that his mother had been frightened by an elephant at the circus. Oh, God. So that's, that's why this, uh, this made sense to me, because I knew about this theory from back then. This whole thing has been very wild so far, but, you know... I know. So the moral of the story is for, like, pregnant women to avoid drinking, smoking, and being in the presence of toads. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Uh, I also like the note about the dad holding out for a better, uh, like, a better deal to display his frog child publicly. Like, he was already doing in the first place <laughs> in this situation. should have put a set up a box with, like, a sign. I mean, like he's already you know, exhibiting this poor frog child. You ain't well, you gave know. me enough money to show off my freak baby. Like they say, everybody has their price. He's just, you know, he's he's like, you know, the people that are holding on to their homes, you know, yeah. trying to build a, you know, mall or some shit. He's, he this, knows he's going to sell eventually. He just wants to get, he doesn't want to get fucked, right? This is like holding on to your real estate until McDonald's comes a calling. Yeah. He, he's waiting for that P.T. Barnum money. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He, that's that's what he really wanted. Suck a bone every minute. He didn't, he didn't want none of that, uh, uh. What was the other competing circus at the time? Uh, Ringling Brothers. Yeah, he didn't want that Ringling Brothers money. No, he wanted P.T. Barnum money. Yeah. <laughs> well, Barnum knew how to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the thing about right. these examples and others pulled together by Eugene M. McCarthy, Ph.D. I'm going to stress <laughs> the Ph.D. here. <laughs> Doctor of what? <laughs> um, uh, um, he actually has like a legitimate degree in like genetics or something like that. Oh God! Sure. Oh God! Wow! Yeah. This is like a geologist flat earther. Mm -hmm. um, so, so the thing about these articles he's pulling together is that he's attributing what appear to be birth defects and deformities to an example of frog human hybridity. Uh, obviously. So, I, I, oh, yeah. He, I don't think he think he actually passed his genetics tests. I mean, maybe he cheated or something if he thinks that's a viable option i, I, I don't know because i did a little because i did a little research on the guy because i obviously had to vet this stuff before i put it yeah. in yeah but he um yeah like from what i've gathered yes he does have a degree how the um, fuck i mean uh, i guess i guess it doesn't preclude like i've like so during covid there were plenty of nurses that came in and just didn't believe in you COVID, know yeah in covid and you know all the stuff that that entailed but i you know i guess having a medical degree doesn't mean you're a smart person yeah just because you can pass a test doesn't mean you believe what you're passing yeah like he has a wikipedia page oh no yeah so like we're, we're gonna get into him in the future because i think uh there's some there's some interesting oh. stuff there oh yeah so so one of his examples that he's pulling here is um hop the frog boy <laughs> Uh, who was a well-known circus freak. Now, right. um, I'm using the term freak here because that is the lingo of the industry and is used historically. Uh, anyone of that community, first of all, hell yeah, you rock. But I'd love to know more about like what sort of terminology is preferred. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, wasn't that like, 
you know, especially back in the day, that was like a they took pride in that distinction. Yeah, yeah, because they were yeah, they right. were paid, especially like we were saying from Barnum and stuff. Yeah, no, some yeah, I mean, some places paid. There's them nothing very shameful well. about being a circus freak. Yeah, yeah, like I have it on third hand authority because uh, I watched a thing where they were interviewing a person who you know circus freak, and they're like, no, no, call us freaks. That's that's us. Yeah. So again, like I don't know. I don't yeah. want to offend anyone. We'd love but, to hear yeah. from you. If, you. if you do feel differently and are, in fact, a circus person. Performer, not, sideshow person. Not, not a uh, uh, offended on somebody's account person. Yeah. But um, that being said, please email us, team at supernaturalselectionpod.com to, to let us know. I'd, yeah. I'd love to hear. Um, but yeah, you can always look up Hop the Frog Boy. I'm not going to dwell on it because, again, we're like... It, the episode's getting long. We're getting to the end yeah. here. So. Um, but yeah, we're going to get into Eugene's theories another time. I just wanted to bring all this up as they relate to our discussion on frog weirdness. Um, yeah. Because c- again, we've talked about frogs in multiple ways that all seem to connect to different topics we've broached here on the show. Right. So the thing is we're just scratching the surface of frogs and toads as subjects of the weird occult and supernatural however whenever i found one exciting topic related to frogs i'd find another five so yeah so ultimately my goal here was to survey frogs and their associations with themes that make up our show yeah with with that said i do plan on revisiting this topic as i have a wonderfully insane story involving frogs and mass hysteria. Oh, please tell me they were dancing. No, um, but it does involve more dead frogs and visions of the apocalypse. (laughs) You have a body count, sir. Right, no, this is probably the most animals that have ever died in an episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, hey, we did it. We covered frogs and not nearly to the depth we could have. Still, I'm pretty hoppy with the results. Uh, Save that one for the end. So what do you guys think? Uh, First off, fuck you for that pun. Uh, But good job on the episode. Uh, The only thing we didn't cover is frogs and toads found living inside rocks. But what I think we can do is get together and cover that in a supernatural sources on the Patreon. So, you know, you want to hear that. Or you can save it for the next frog episode. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So like we have plenty of options, you know, and I just, there's so many different cultures that we could have covered with examples of like how frogs are linked in, but it just, it, again, it's just like, again, dashing through a museum and just like looking at, yeah. paintings as you're running by. You, you got five minutes until the museum closes and you got to see everything. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, what do you think? Frogs use their eyeballs to help them eat. That is 100% true. When a frog <laughs> swallows food, it pulls its eyes down into the roof of its mouth to help push food down their throats. Yep, I've seen it. It is disgusting. Uh, frogs are still cool, but goddamn. They really are like <laughs> little aliens. Yeah, like I... I always have liked frogs but being able to like sit down here and like look at all this stuff and put this together it's like no i i get it i get why they're so important to humans yeah 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 sorry i was just typing in our discord y'all frogs rule (laughs) well that should be a t-shirt yeah (laughs) 
you're right. That should be. No, I, this was really fascinating, and I learned stuff I didn't know about frogs. Or we reinforced stuff I did know about frogs. I learned frogs weren't a thing until Hoboken. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's just a lot we've learned about frogs, and I appreciate this episode. We had fun. So, that being said, uh, if you would like to learn more about the show, you can find us at supernatpod.rocks. That is supernatpod. Pot? Wow. (laughs) That's our weed gummy brand. Yeah, sorry. Supernatpod.stoned.dank. Anyway, (laughs) supernatpod.rocks. You can find us on social media on Mastodon at supernatpod at weirdo.network and I believe we have a blue sky if we don't it is on the way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, we also appreciate everyone listening we want to thank everyone out there that's been listening for the past three years uh, your continued support uh, is appreciated and you know don't forget to leave a review spread the word about the show uh, you know it's all good fun. We're just trying to have a good time and not get dumb. Yeah, sorry we had such a hiatus for the holidays, but things got cray cray. Oh yeah, man! Mm-hmm. Christmas, New Year's, work, and personal life, and, getting sick, and yeah. all that fun stuff. So, uh, yeah. Again, thanks for listening. So, until next time, stay safe and stay frosty. Goodbye. Frog fact. No one knows you're a frog on the internet. Frog fact. Frogs killed Kennedy. Hey guys, did you know that in terms of male, human, and female amphibian breeding, frogs are the most compatible <laughs> amphibians Fuck for off. humans? Not only Fuck are they off. in the field egg group, no. but most comp- No! <laughs> God damn it. <coughs> Don't turn around, there's a frog behind you right now. <laughs>